Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 272, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Well, we've got some things to get into. We're going to take some time looking at the Cowboys, the Ring of Honor conversation that was presented to Jerry Jones in a really interesting conversation he had with Newey Scruggs on live television the other night. Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard and how these Cowboys running backs may play out this year as they continue through training camp. And then a couple of stories you get to in the block and whatnot here on your Friday. But none of this is made possible without our friends, the great people there, the green team, the attorneys at Greening Law. Maybe it was a car accident. Maybe you experienced malpractice from a physician, a hospital, you were injured on the premises of a business, you need to call the lawyers at Greening Law. They have represented clients from people like me who are hurt in a car accident to birth injuries to sexual assault cases involving clergy or hospitals. They are your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Dude, I mean, they are. And there's no better feeling to me than if you're involved in something like this picking up the phone and calling 972-934-8900 and asking the green team to help you out. That's as simple as it is. You pick up the phone, you call 972-934-8900, you tell them your situation, and you hope that they take you on as a client. Because if they do, they walk you through this somewhat complicated, can be intimidating process when you're going up against somebody else's uh, big-time insurance company. And they can make it what can be a difficult thing feel and look easy even though it's not because they're experts at it, bro. That's exactly what they do. That You nailed it, man. Consultations free, 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, call now, offices, Dallas, Texas. So we'll start out here with, this is interesting, and, and it, it made some rounds a couple of days ago, but Newey Scruggs, who you know very, very well, with my homeboy. He's the main sports anchor there on NBC5. Well, he got to sit down with Jerry Jones after practice and after camp one day. And we all remember when Jimmy Johnson was going into the Hall of Fame, Jerry Jones was sitting next to Jimmy Johnson. They had their Hall of Fame jackets on. I want to say this was on the set of the Fox football show in the morning. And maybe it was Menifee or somebody asked him, what about getting Jimmy into the Ring of Honor? And, of course, everybody's happy and they're celebrating. Oh, Jimmy Johnson's going to the Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, he, he'll get in the Ring of Honor. And they're oh, no, did you just hear that? And Jimmy, you know, and at the time, it seemed like, oh, okay. It's about time. And it actually seemed like Jerry was making that announcement on purpose. Like, okay, Jimmy's finally in the Hall of Fame. I'm letting everybody know I'm going to put him in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, it's just a matter of when. Well, that was like two or three years ago when that happened. Obviously, there has been no announcement. Nothing has been said since then about Jimmy going into the Ring of Honor. And then I thought this was interesting. So this is the whole question and conversation of Nui talking with Jerry Jones on live television, bringing this up. Jerry, I like you. I respect you. But I'm going to say this. 
it seems very petty of what's going on between you and Jimmy from the standpoint that he's not in that ring of honor because when you think about the Hall of Fame and you think about those championships, I'm just saying that's how it comes off to people. Yeah. Because there's you two together, you guys rebuilt that cowboy dynasty that Tom Landry had. So well, to me. Uh, let me just, I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, no, but no. it's BS for anybody to be making anything. I've said I'm going to put him in. Now, when I put him in, and the circumstances and what I do with that, uh, there's a lot more than Jimmy to think about here. And I've got a lot of other lives out here that have laid a lot on the line on the field that uh, need to be in that ring of honor as well. And so uh, how I do that, what I do it with, uh, 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 I get to make that decision. And it isn't at the end of the day all tailored around uh, whether uh, Jimmy's snibbling or not. It is your franchise. You do get to make the decision. Well, and I'll be very sensitive and be very appreciative of what uh, Jimmy is, but uh, it's too much to say, well, that is the thing that gets up and goes to bed at night when we think about the Ring of Honor as to Jerry and Jimmy's relationship, okay? Jerry and Jimmy were the two of the luckiest guys that's ever been on this earth to get to be sitting here being, having this talked about, if you want to know the truth about it. And there it is. It, and I, I thought those were really interesting. I mean, Jerry got so defensive. I got to give Newey credit because he's exactly right. It does come across as uh, come across as petty. This whole thing with Jerry and Jimmy, and then him making that shot at Jimmy of, of Jimmy's sniveling. Dude, like, what is that all about? He had a lot of edge on him too when he said, I'll, "You know, I'll make it. I'll, yeah, I'll put him in there." Basically, quit sweating me about. It. I put him in there when I feel like putting him in there, and I don't feel like it right now. I don't know why he's so aggravated and annoyed by it. Yeah, I mean, he's the one that said he was going to do it. If he hadn't have said he was going to do it, I don't think anybody would be pushing on him and, and bringing it up the way that, that now well, you I start think to we, think, I think about it. I think we'd still be bringing it up. Maybe not like it. this, though. I don't know. Yeah, now people still be wondering, like, what's the deal? Why is he not in there? Because it's such an obvious omission. And clearly, you mad about something. Whether you choose to tell us what it is or not, you mad about something. Uh, and that's why you haven't put him in there. And it could be envy. It could be jealousy. You're like, what What could he possibly be jealous about when it comes to Jimmy? I mean, he's got a trillion dollars and this and that. Yeah. Well, dude, you can, he could be jealous of the love that Jimmy Jimmy gets. He could be love and jealous of the, or envious of the credit that Jimmy gets. Or just, uh, I was talking to a uh, one of my friends in the superstar world the other day about such a thing. And this dude was like, sometimes people just get jealous of the way other people react to you because they wish they could get that kind of love or that kind of adulation or adoration. And when they don't get it and you, they see you getting it, they then get jealous of that attention. I was like, dude, I never, I never thought about it like that. And this guy was like, man, it's been like that almost my whole life ever since I became you know, an elite athlete. And I was like, wow, what a way to live. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at this. I mean granted it is the ring of honor and i get that but the fact that you look at that era of the cowboys and troy michael and emmett who all went in back in 2005 charles haley and larry allen are in it it, it just feels to me i mean darren woodson is in it feels to me that it's obvious that jimmy johnson should be in the hall of fame i mean the dude was your head coach when you went back to back super bowls but the last time that they inducted anybody into the Ring of Honor was Gil Brandt, who was inducted in 2018. So it's been four years since wow, they last did it's it. It's been that long, bro. Yeah, four years. It was November 29th, 2018. You look at it, before that, it was Darren Woodson in 2015. Before that, it was Pearson, Haley, and Allen who went in in 2011. And then six years prior to that was when the triplets went in in 05. So... I don't know. I mean, to me, like, and I don't know what it is because I don't think that you can, and maybe I'm wrong here because they put Drew in at the same time as Charles Haley and Larry Allen, you know, so maybe you do a thing where he doesn't want it to all be about Jimmy and he's waiting for DeMarcus Ware to get in the Hall of Fame and he's going to put DeMarcus Ware in the Ring of Honor and then do Jimmy at the same time. Okay. All right. I don't know. But like the only three that I can think of that I think are overly deserving right now are Jimmy, DeMarcus Ware, and Jason Witten. 
Um, I'd say Harvey Martin should be in there. Uh, but amongst the old timers, I'm more partial to Harvey than any of them. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think Witten hadn't been retired long enough, has he? No, I mean, I but guess there's uh, no rule. Right. I'm just saying that, like, at some point, he should be in the Ring of Honor. Yeah. You know, I mean, generally no, I speaking, like, you know, Darren Woodson's not a Hall of Famer, and he got into the Ring of Honor. I mean, generally speaking, the vast majority, like, the vast majority of the dudes that are in the Ring of Honor are all Hall of Famers, but that's not a requirement. No, but you want to be in the Hall of Fame conversation, I think, is what is what the standard that Jerry's always kept. And so, yeah, and I don't really have a problem with that. We've seen all those spare Ring of Honors where, you know, this guy was left tackle for four seasons and he's in yeah. the ring of honor. You're like, what are you doing, bro? Um, so we've seen that. So I, there are a few guys I like to be honored. Uh, I don't mind it exclusive. He just takes it to the extreme. Yeah, and, and this whole thing, I just don't understand what the holdup would be. I, I mean, once you got into the Hall of Fame and they said some things at that time and, and Jerry seemed genuinely happy for Jimmy that he had made the Hall of Fame and that he had been elected there at the time and now you look at it and, and it just anytime you ask about him he goes really defensive with Newey right there you know really not too Newey but about this situation it's all ego my brother yeah, I mean, all he, ego he's got a big one entire now he's got a huge one I mean is that is that the Cowboys problem in general is that the ownership group of this just has such a colossal ego they never want to admit that anything could possibly be wrong I don't think it's that. Sometimes uh, they like to prove they're the smartest people in the room, I think. Uh, we've seen that with other organizations. Um, and sometimes they just make poor decisions. They're, sometimes they're just kind of like a step behind all the time. You know, and to me, that, yeah. that gets frustrating. You know, you're a step behind figuring out the whole DAC contract negotiations. You're a step behind figuring out when to get rid of Amari Cooper, when not to get rid of Amari Cooper. You're a step behind where everybody else is going all in and spending all their money. You're like, hey, we want our cap to be in good shape. Nobody cares about the cap, bro, because you can circumvent it until the time where you suck. And when you suck, okay, fine, we're going to take all this cap money in one year, suck for one gigantic year, yeah, and then we'll be back. Uh, but they're kind of late to the party on that, bro, and it can drive you nuts. Yeah, it, it definitely can do that, I would say, and, and we have spent some time talking about that. You know, that whole wide receiver situation that we talked about on the last podcast. And you look at that, and I'm curious. I mean, are, are we at a point now, and I meant to bring this up when we were talking about that on the last podcast, but with the wide receiver situation, is it – maybe it's just there's such belief in Dak that he's different than where he was the pre-Amari Cooper Dak when they tried to roll – with the team that we could all look at and go, man, you at least they have a number one wide receiver. I mean, at least CeeDee Lamb is here because that group of receivers they tried to roll out with before they traded for Amari Cooper, <laughs> you know, we could all look at that and go, what is this? Well, now it kind of feels like that, but at least you have CeeDee Lamb, and I guess the hope is, okay, you've got a number one wide receiver. You believe in your quarterback enough that you're about to find out, is he somebody... Because everybody always taught, well, Dak's not the type of quarterback that makes the guys around him better. You're about to find out if he can do that to any type of any type of degree. No, I, I think that's the huge thing for me this year. It'll be, can Dak elevate this fairly anonymous group of wide receivers and make them weapons and make and, and, and weaponize them and make them, you know, play at an elite level or play at a really high level that none of us saw coming. Uh, that to me. Uh, will show us what he's really all about. As we're, I mean, he's a good quarterback. That's not the question. The question is whether he's going to move into the top five this year. And to do that, he needs to he needs to play some great football and elevate these guys around him. Yeah, and, and, you know, we talked about this, you know, the idea that maybe they can get creative with using Tony Pollard in the slot a little bit. This is a situation that you kind of wonder with the receiving situation at the actual wide receiver position what it is is Dalton Schultz about to make himself a ridiculous amount of money? See, I don't think so, bro. Um, and I've had a couple of my good friends tell me, oh, my God, Dalton Schultz is going to catch 100 balls this year. I said he just might. That still don't make him no dynamic player. And, again, I'm not throwing shade at him, man. 
You know why Dalton Schultz will catch 100 passes if he does this year, Matt? I'm going to give you one reason why. Yes. Why is it? Because defensive coordinators want him to catch 100 passes. It could be. (laughs) I mean, right now, who's your outside of uh, CeeDee Lamb, who's your pass receiving target threat? It's Dalton Schultz. So let's double team CeeDee Lamb. Let's bracket him inside and out, and let's keep a safety over the top. Hey, are we okay if Dalton Schultz catches uh, 12 passes for 113 yards and a touchdown? Probably. Yeah. Because he ain't busting nobody's ass. Yeah, but, you know, I say he's going to get paid in a sense of somebody out there, not that the Cowboys might, but somebody out there, they'll look at that and be like, okay, 78 for 808 in one year. And then if he turns around and let's say he goes 95 for 1,000 this year, some team out there will pay Dalton Schultz top five tight end money. I just, I mean, again, because you look at some of the contracts. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, whenever that is. Some of those contracts that tight ends get because there's such, it's we are in a weird place in the league with tight ends. And we talked about this because there's really like five guys. And then after that, the drop off of it, it all feels like they're the same. But everybody's so desperate to get that Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Kittle, uh, you know, the dude from Atlanta, the Kyle Pitts type of guy that you're starting to see some of these other players that show a flash here or there or have a couple of really good months get paid like they're on that level and they're not. Bro, I think so. I mean, I, I mean, he's understand he's going to get a good contract and he's earned it with the numbers that he's put up. But still, I'm going to, I'm going to be shocked and surprised if he gets a mega deal just because – He's a good player who doesn't threaten anybody. Now, maybe he'll add threatened people to his to his uh, resume this year, in which case I'll change my mind. Yeah, well, you reserve the right to do just that. Hell yeah, because sports is fluid, and what's true today might not be true next week, next month, next year. That's very true, because you never know. Maybe next year we're like, oh, my God, Dalton Schultz is the highest-paid tight end in football. What the hell? And then we go, oh, it's Jacksonville. It'll be some weird-ass conversation like that, <laughs> like Christian Kirk, man. Somebody out there is always screwing it up for everybody else. But apparently, from everything you hear coming out of camp, the Cowboys have been really impressed so far with Jake Ferguson. I even saw, (laughs) well, I even saw, look, I know he's a rookie, and what does that mean in camp? Man, you are having all kinds of mic problems. Oh, I'm trying to. You heard all of that? Oh, yeah, it's moving around a lot. Oh, okay. I mean, it's stationary. It's impressive. All right. (laughs) but you know i know jake ferguson strained his hamstring a couple of days ago but you know archer had tweeted out thought this was interesting guys that have impressed beyond the obvious leighton vander esch noah brown anthony brown chauncey golston josh ball rico doddle and jake ferguson okay cool I'm all for that. I mean, we'll see. Again, nobody. it's easy to impress in camp. We haven't even gotten to a preseason game yet. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Archer, Archer looks at practice with different eyes. So I'm all, I'm all good with that, man, if he thinks those guys have impressed. Uh, you know, it's hard to do it once you get with pads on. Things change. And so it's good to see that those guys can do a little something once the pads have come on. It is. It very much is. So we, we got another conversation. We got to take a look at these running backs and the Zeke Elliott situation. But as we continue, of course, Freeway Tire Shop, JR and his guys, anytime you have a car need, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, I think when we talk about mechanics, sometimes people are like, oh man, what's wrong with your car? Everybody needs oil changes. Everybody has to get a state inspection. Everybody needs tire rotations and eventually tires. It may just be routine things that you need to go in for. JR is the guy that you can take it to. This happened to me once. This was years ago. This was probably, I mean, this was 15 years ago. I took right. my car to a shop to get an oil change, and I swear they did something. And I can't remember exactly what it was at this point, but I had to go back like a week later, and they're like, oh, yeah, you have this. And I'm like, I didn't have it before I was here a week ago. <laughs> I'm dead serious. And I never went there again. And I argued with that dude. I was like, I never had a problem. I bring it in here, and all of a sudden, this is a problem. And I can't remember what it was, but it was a thing. And that's the type of stuff 
I think we all worry about when we go to mechanics with JR right. and Freeway Tire Shop and his crew, you never have to worry. He's going to do it straight. He's going to do it right. And he's going to tell you exactly what's being done. Bro, it's about the trust factor, man. Can you trust him to diagnose the problem and, and then trust him to use quality parts to fix it? Can you trust him to charge you a fair price? And then can you trust him to stand behind his work? The answer in all of those cases is yes, 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 yes. And that's what makes, uh, you know, JR the spot to be. It's uh, for 35 in Commonwealth, literally about five minutes from downtown Dallas, man. It's, uh, I tell all my friends to go there because the work is immaculate. The customer service is immaculate. And uh, the experience is immaculate because your car gets fixed, bro. It's a low-maintenance shop. Freeway Tire Shop. It's that simple. It's a stone's throw north of downtown Dallas. Very easy to find. And you can request a quote. You can schedule an appointment. Everything you need, you can find online at freewaytireshop.com. So as we continue, I meant to bring this up the other day because you were running into problems. And we never really had a conversation about it. Yes. But you told me the other day, you're like, I am done with automation. Bro, I'm really sick of automation. I get automation, okay? I really do. And in some cases, it can be very helpful. The problem is, for me, with automation is, if something goes wrong, well, who do you talk to, Matt? Nobody. Yeah. Because ain't nobody got no answers. So I was moving some stuff at a time deadline. Uh, the other day because I was moving some stuff into a storage facility and I went at 2.45 to uh, I had already paid for it and they said uh, on the automation uh, we have somebody here from you know 9.30 to 5.30 okay cool it's a storage spot I pull up there Matt there's nobody there doors are locked People are coming in and out with their access codes to the facility, but I can't get in or out. So I called the 800 number, and they said, well, somebody should be there. Hey, check this out. This is not your fault. Ain't nobody in there. I'm looking right now. Oh, well, sometimes if it's slow, they have one person cover two facilities. Yeah. I go, well, number one, that's dumb. And number two... There ain't nowhere on here that says that. It says somebody's here from 9.30 to 5.30. But that's neither here nor there. So I go, so I'm waiting for this access code so I can move this stuff in. And this is stuff that has to be moved. I can't really hold on to it. Right. For a variety of reasons. And, uh, dude. So finally I call. After like an hour and a half, I go, how fast should the access code come? Oh, about five minutes. I go, well, it's been an hour and a half. And so I'm talking to somebody, and guess what happens, Matt? Now, mind you, this is all on the phone. Yeah. The phone call drops on their end, Matt. God. So now I got to start the process again. Yeah, my God, that's the absolute worst. 20 minutes into it, brother, guess what happens? The fault, it drops again? It drops again. Oh, bro. my God. And I, would, I am oh, screaming my God. now. Yeah. Because I'm supposed to be at an event, and it's like, I don't think I'm going to make the event because I have to get this stuff in storage. And the event, my friends, was my good friend Tim McMahon's wedding. And, you know, I've got, I know what I'm wearing. I'm, I'm, I'm planning to go. I talked to him like two weeks ago. See you there. And I'm like, but I have this stuff and I don't have anywhere to put it. And so, like, it can't be at my house. I just, I, I got to get rid of it. I got to store it. That's why I rented the facility, man. And uh, finally, dude, it's nine o'clock. <laughs> And I get, I finally on the phone because the facility closes at nine o'clock. You can't get in after that. Oh my God. And this, I never get the access code and they go, oh, I think maybe there's a glitch. And so I just don't know if it's going to give you a code today. We'll give you two days free. I said, two days free? What the hell does that do? That's like $5 or $6 or something, bro. I'm like, what are y'all doing, man? That's amazing, dude. And, uh, dude, I was so frustrated and pissed and mad and all. You know, I used up like three weeks worth of curse words. Um, <laughs> I bet. But there's nobody to be mad at because it's all automated. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> so, and so, um, you know, I finally got in there the next day. I showed up at 6 o'clock in the morning hoping that I would have this code and I could get in. And check this out, bro. 
the code works. They finally sent it to me, Matt. Amazing. I'm like, wow. Okay, I can do this. I can be done with this in an hour. Boom, 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 boom. Mm. And I go up to the storage facility. I find it. Why is there a lock on it, Matt? I it's don't not know. my lock. There's a lock on it. What? So I can't get into it. So at 9 o'clock, the woman who works there shows up. And I, I burst in there. <laughs> and I go, hey, I bought this storage unit, but there's a lock on it. She goes, oh, I don't know why that is, the, why it's a lock on it. I've never heard of that. But she goes up, up there. She does whatever she does, gets rid of the lock, and, and I'm good. But my Saturday has been blown, and now my Sunday is blown. Why is my Sunday blown, Matt? Because I was supposed to do all this on Saturday. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just PO'd, brother. Just PO'd. And I'm like, I am so friggin' sick of pure automation. And, uh, you know, bro, it's, it's, it's just insane. It drove me nuts. Yeah, man, it's, I, I think the one thing that we've gotten to a point that drives me insane is anytime you need to call anybody about anything, you, you sit there and you're like, operator, 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 yes. and you're just trying to get to a live human being that you can talk to because the freaking computer can't help you. They never can. Not on everything. It's always like, they press one for on this, me. press three for this. Yeah. And like, no, I want to talk to a human being. Dude, I mean... I've rarely been that frustrated in my life. It's just, I mean, it's insane. What, yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah, and there's nothing because you can do. No, and that's what, that's what bothered you. There's literally nothing you can do. I mean, that's um, one of those things, man. I mean, that you just have to sit there and say, this is really out of my control. I'm just going to take a breath and move on because I cannot do this right now. No, nah, you know, and, you know, now the grocery stores are all automated. Walmart's automated. Everybody's automated. Uh, at least they still have a couple people working there. So if you have a problem, you know, they can come over and stick their key in there, type in some numbers and, and make it go away. But I'm sure there'll come a point, bro. We've already seen them try it, like with those Amazon stores. Yeah. Where there's nobody there and you just SOL. Yeah. And, and, and at that Good point, we figure it out. It has to become one of those things. You know, we're always going to need until AI gets to a point where they just take us over. You need human help. And that's the thing, like, I love self-checkout, personally. But to like, what you're saying, usually they'll have, like, four or five self-checkout things, and there is a human person that is sitting there monitoring the four or five checkout lanes. Right. And, like, you're talking about, like, oh, you need alcohol? I'll come over here, verify your ID, I can punch it in. But eventually we won't even need that because the computer will scan your ID. Yep, you're 21, and facial, facial technology, this is you. We can match it. Right. You know, all those types of things. You need to weigh your bananas. I mean, we'll get to a point. You don't have to have somebody type in the code or whatever. It'll just see that it's bananas, register it, and you'll be good. Well, yeah. I mean, I'd do that now. I did it with some Granny Smith apples at uh, Walmart the other day. Just did the barcode, set them down on the scale that, that is basically up under the barcode yeah. reader. Rang them up, and, uh, and I was on my way. So uh, um, now I gave you my worst automation experience the best one I've had is probably at Sam's Club. Have you been to Automated Sam's Club yet? No, I haven't been into those. I'm sure Costco is coming up next and then everybody else. But what happens is you go around and shop. And as you pick up items that you're going to buy, you scan the barcode into your phone. Um, boom, it shows right up. Bananas, $3 a pound or whatever. And you literally fill your basket up. You scan everything as you go. You skip the checkout line. You go right to the door. You hit a button on your phone that pays for it with a credit card. And once you do that, a QR code pops up. When you get to the uh, person at the door, they uh, read the QR code with a scanner, and you are gone. There's no waiting in line, no nothing. It's, now, that's pretty good. That's damn good. Is what that, no, that was. Oh, no, that was that was that was impressive because yeah. it was the whole scan as you go pay for it before you get to the front, show them the QR code and then just walk out the store. Yeah. See, that type of thing that would work for me. I'm all about that. I have no problem with automation for the most part, but it's it's got to get better and it's getting better, but it needs to get better on phones. The phones is what really irks me. Because that drives me insane. Like, I don't understand it. Like, I can't find anybody that it can help me because how about this? So we all did our taxes four months ago. 
Yeah. Four months later, I am still waiting for my return from the state of Alabama. Oh, my. Yeah. And it, it's a chunk of change, man, that I would like to have. And originally, you go to the website, you type in your information and stuff. And when I first did it, it said, we have received your return. It's processing. It'll be like eight weeks. Well, that was eight weeks ago. And I check every couple of weeks, and now it doesn't even say that it's going to be eight weeks. It just says your return is still processing. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I waited for a five-digit return um, for more than a year, my brother. God, see, I mean, that should never happen. That's ridiculous. And like you, there was nobody you could talk to. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. Because... The IRS phones, hey, I'm sorry you're experiencing longer than normal call waiting. Uh, please call back at 5 and, you know, f- crack a dawn to see if you can get through. And, uh, dude, this was more than 20000 but less than thirty. Waited a year to get that shit. I mean. I, it was more than a year. It's more like 14, 15 months. See, ago. and the shit part of that is that if the situation was reversed, they'd be pounding down your door <laughs> ready to throw you in jail for not paying your taxes. Bro. It's ridiculous. That's real talk right there. It is, that's and it should talk. never happen. That, that, it's inexcusable. To me, I consider that theft because it's my money, and they have stolen it from me. Oh, I'm not, you get no argument from me, bro. That's how I feel about it. So the other thing that I've got for you here, and I, this is really odd i felt like but apparently well it's just you you don't see this much so warner brothers has (laughs) shot and filmed and completely produced a batgirl movie starring leslie grace who i'm unfamiliar with i'd have to do you know who leslie grace is no yeah i'd have to look her up to see if i know Oh, apparently she is a American singer, songwriter, and actress who has received three Latin Grammy Award nominations. That's interesting. Well, okay, cool. Oh, I see. She she was in the film adaptation of In the Heights, if you saw that. All right. Okay, I got you. So she was going to play Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl, in the upcoming Batgirl film that was set in the DC Extended Universe that Warner Brothers was doing. Well, what's wild about this is that they spent $90 million was the production budget on this movie. It's, I mean, it's done. And they were going to release it, but now they've decided they're not going to release it on any platform. And the reason why is because they made this movie specifically for HBO Max, like a streaming platform. Yeah. But the company has pivoted back to theatrical features and they do not feel that this movie is up to par with their big budget DC Universe theatrical movies. I'm like, wow. which I'm like, okay, I get it. So you don't think that it's worthy of, you know, because they do these $150, 200000000 million big budget theatrical releases. Well, then why not? Right. Why wouldn't you still put it on HBO Max? Dude. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's just their nice way of saying this is just such trash. It's not even our standard. I mean, maybe it is. It could be. I don't. I have no idea. Now, according to this article I read in Variety, studio insiders insist the decision was not driven by the quality of the film or the commitment of the filmmakers, but the desire for the studio's DC features to be at a blockbuster scale. And that Batgirl okay. was budgeted to screen in homes, not budgeted for a major global release in theaters. I mean, okay. Now, here's the weird thing, bro. Batgirl got paid, whatever she got paid, everybody got paid. So, you, you got compensated. But you spent a year, six months, nine months right. working yeah. on a movie, bro. <laughs> You're not. They're not putting it anywhere. It can't even go straight to... The VCR or DVR? I mean, straight geez. to VCR. Now that would be an accomplishment, I gotta say. Yeah, I'm dating myself. <laughs> God, can you imagine the news cycle of that would get Warner Brothers releases Batgirl now on VHS? <laughs> God. Yeah, I don't know, man. This whole thing is just really weird. I mean, they're just shelving it outright. They're getting zero return on their invest. They're eating ninety million dollars. How depressing would that be if you were in the movie? 
And you know, th- this is what's really wired ab- weird about this as well is that the, the rest of the cast, so maybe people aren't familiar with Leslie Grace, fine. Her father is played by J.K. Simmons. Oh, he's good. Brendan Fraser plays the villain, and Michael Keaton was reprising his role as Batman. Damn. I mean, those are big names, man. I mean, you got two Academy Award winners were in this movie, and they just threw it into the fire like, oh, well, well. They must have money to burn, brother. Can you imagine that, that you did a $90 million project, and you're like, eh. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. I mean, that is, and you know, you you hate it for the people, like especially a young actress like Leslie Grace, and I'm sure she'll do other projects. She was in in the Heights, as I mentioned, but you know, like you said, you put all your your work and energy in these characters and doing this film. Yeah, you got paid, but then they're just like nobody ever gets to see this. That's so strange to me. It's terrible. It is. That's one of the weirdest things that I've ever heard of a movie on that level where you just throw it away. But what do I know? I mean, there's a reason why I'm not a studio executive, I guess. I'd probably green light all kinds of crap that nobody wants to see. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. They're like, what? You, have a good, you have a good feel for uh, TV, so I don't know. Maybe no, I do. I mean, I, I, I like good stuff for the most part. I mean, I'm not a, an elite-level snob or anything about it, but I, I, I tend right. to, to do okay. So the other thing was, and this came out a couple of days ago as well, but we had heard the rumors, and now they have been confirmed because Greg Norman flat out said that, yes, the Live Tour, the LIV Tour, offered Tiger Woods somewhere in the neighborhood between 700 and $800 million to leave the PGA Tour and join the LIV Tour, and he turned it down. I'm not really surprised. Because Tiger is at the point in of, of his life and that, you know, he's at the point of his life, bro, where like, okay, I've already got like $400 million or $500 million. Well, I mean, his, his net worth is a billion. Okay, that's even better. Yeah. If his net worth is a billion, I mean, what? <laughs> I don't really need any more money. Yes, you can never have enough, but I can't spend this that I've gotten. And then I think the other thing, man, is he's had so many personal, you know, tragedies or incidents lately that, uh, you know, the, the car roll over and all of that, that he may just look at life through a different prism where money it just isn't. I mean, it's, it doesn't rank at the top of his priority list like maybe it once did. Yeah, it could be. And, and you know, you could look at it and say, I mean, he may see that his legacy is tarnished by some of the things that happened off the course for him as, as well, but nothing on course has tarnished him. So why risk that by making a yeah. jump for money that, I mean, once you're a billionaire, do you really need another 700 million? I don't even think about it like that, bro. I'm like, at a certain point, once you reach maybe, and maybe a hundred million is that, I can't imagine that there's any amount of money that changes your lifestyle. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> think just, so. Yeah. It's just I'm I'm doing it because I'm competitive and I want to be more money than anybody else or, you know, I'm trying to set up generations after me or, you know, whatever. But it's not really about the actual money that you're making because you can never spend that, really. Yeah, and it's interesting because I was thinking about this the other day because more golfers have made the jump recently, like Charles Howell III, uh, Bubba, Tom, Bubba Watson announced that he's making the jump, Paul Casey. Oh. You know, so there's a lot of these names that are making the jump over there to the LIV tour. You know, it's it's rare. Bryson DeChambeau is still the youngest guy of prominence that has gone because he's in his late 20s. You know, Brooks Kepka and Patrick Reed are like 31, 33, but most of them are over 35. And then I got to thinking about this as like, if you really don't care and you're a guy like Kepka, like a lot of these golfers, they look at it and all they care about is the majors. And the reality of it is, unless you're like my brother, Mark, who's a golf pro and you're hardcore into golf, can anybody name literally how many wins? Like, maybe you can name Tiger Woods. And I'm not talking about major wins. I'm talking about PGA Tour wins. Right. Like, golf wins. Now, maybe you know Tiger is 82 because that's the all-time record tied with Sam Snead. Everybody knows Jack Nicklaus won 18 majors. How many people you think can tell you how many wins Jack Nicholas had not majors? <laughs> See, and that's the thing. And he was 
He's 73. 73 golf wins on whatever tour. You know, this is like the PGA Tour and all the stuff that's that's recognized by that record book and all that. But you look at that, and I got to thinking about this. Is like, Nick, nobody cares that Phil Mickelson has 45 wins. They care that he got six right, majors. Right, right. And if you can make that kind of money and you still get to play in the majors, then to me, in a couple of years, when nobody cares about the LIV tour anymore and you're making all this money, but you can jump yeah. in and play the majors, that's all anybody right. looks at anyway. Right. Now, if you're somebody who makes has a net worth of $10 million, and somebody comes up to you and says, oh, we're, we're about to guarantee you 40 or $50 million. Right. I get why those people make a move because they're like, oh, I'm rich. And I can pretty much do anything I want. But pretty much now I can do whatever it is I want. I can have a house in Spain, one in New York, one in L.A., you know, one in Cancun. Yeah. And I'm all and I'm good at all those spots. Yeah. It's, it's like it, there's a golfer named Taylor Gooch that most people have probably never heard of before in their entire lifetimes. He's a dude that was on the PGA Tour. He is from the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma, and my brother knows him. This is a guy who made the jump to the LIV Tour, and I want to say, like, he's fairly, he's around Mark's age. Like, they're, they're fairly close in age. I think he's 30-something. He's 30, exactly. Played at Oklahoma State, and Mark told me, he goes, I talked to Taylor about it, and he was like, I'm some, like, in his words, I'm some redneck from Oklahoma. He goes, I've been playing on the PGA Tour for years. He goes, I might make a million a year, something in his Might career. Be grinding for it. Yeah, like his total career earnings are $9.4 million grinding for it. And that's his earnings. He has to pay his caddy. He has to pay to travel, all these types of things. He's not a highly ranked golfer. The LIV tour came to him and said, we'll give you $18 million. Done. Gone. So he jumps. Bro, that's not even a question. I mean, the dude's been a pro for like eight or nine years. And has made $9 million and in one instance doubled what he has ever made in his entire career right out of the gate. Hey, bro, it just is what it is, man. You got to accept it at some point. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes because I kind of wonder once they, now that all the majors are over and once they get passed, because it's a Ryder Cup year, keep in mind, 2022, the Ryder Cup coming up, I wonder... When is that? That's the, that's the last weekend in, in September, which it, it, so I think it starts in September, but like that Sunday's October 1st and right. it's out there. It's near Rome this year or no, it's in 2023. That's what it is. It's in 2023. But I was wondering if there are some guys or is it in 20? I can't remember. <laughs> now I'm doubting myself. Hell yeah. No, it's in 20. Okay. Let me look. It's in 2023. That's what I thought. But I wonder if there are some guys waiting to get past the Ryder Cup who, who oh, might want a shot to get move. in it who are then going to make the jump. And I'll, I'll be curious to see how this plays out over the next year or so. No, I think so, bro. I think so. I mean, that kind of money is just hard to turn down. And I never, I never judge people, for the most part, on, um, on, on money and turning yeah. it down and what they accept and what they don't because, you know... If somebody comes to you, Matt, and says, hey, we'll pay you, uh, let's be realistic, we'll pay you $2 million a year guaranteed for the next five years or 10 years to go do this show over here. You're like, and it's a conservative, uh, you can do your show, but it's on a conservative station and, and uh, you know, all the people you'll be interacting with will be whatever the opposite of, yeah. I'm not even going to say conservative. There's just the opposite of your whole political thing, whatever that is for you. And it's a place you really don't want to work and a place you don't like any people you work with. But we're going to guarantee you, you know, 20 million over the next 10 years. Matt might just be like, well, when I'm not working, I'll be using this money to clean my, cleanse myself. Yeah. Sometimes sometime money is life-changing. And... You don't even have to think about it much, man. And it don't even have to be that much money. No, it, um, somebody had asked me that. This was like a couple of weeks ago. Like, okay, what if, like, say the LIV tour got a hold of you and said, we want you to come do an LIV golf radio show. Yeah. And we'll pay you like $40 million to do it, but that's all you can talk about. I was like, I mean, 
Would I okay. want to do that? No. But would I do that? I mean, you're talking about that's the type of money that, like, to me, if I say no to that, then I'm being selfish for my kid, my grandkids, people who are important to me in my life, because I could change a lot of lives on down the right. line with that type of money. Yeah, so sometimes you do that, bro. It's, uh, you know, it's all good. Yeah, it is all good. It's also all good when you call HFX Foundation Solutions, especially right now with the heat, the drought, the lack of water whatsoever that's going on. You want to talk about torture on your foundation? Well, you're in it. That's why you need this number. If you are noticing any of the signs that you may have a foundation problem, I mean, Aaron flat out told us, he's like, look, start keeping a list, keeping track of stuff so that if you see something, you can get on the phone with them. It's a free, no obligation inspection. HFX Foundation Solutions, 817-770-0174. Foundation is something, especially with drought and heat like this, you don't want to mess around, man, because when it's bad like this, it can get screwed up in a hurry. Bro, and that's why we encourage all of y'all to pick up the phone, call Aaron and his team over there at HFX, and get your home what we lovingly call a colonoscopy. And get the peace of mind that comes from knowing, yeah, our foundation is straight. Because in Texas, your foundation is everything, brother. It is. It is indeed. It's HFX Foundation Solutions, 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com. Oh, the Zeke Elliott conversation. We have arrived. It's interesting because Zeke Elliott is one of those running backs that as a rookie... I think we all kind of thought, my God, we found him. We've right. got that guy. He's going to rip off the next streak of Emmett where he does like 12 seasons in a row of 1,000 yards rushing. It'll be amazing. This is great. Obviously, that is not what happened. But Zeke Elliott is going into an interesting season. It's his year 27 season. He just turned 27 years old like 10 days ago, 14 days ago, whenever that was. Right. And you look at it, and the decline in production doesn't fit the contract. It will be very difficult to justify the Cowboys unless he is willing to completely redo things. He's not going to be a member of this team next year. But then you look at this, and I did this was looking at the numbers on Zeke. When you look at the first five games that Zeke had last year before he suffered that PCL injury, he actually was on pace for a very, very productive season, and I don't think people realize that. Not because the second half season was so bad or the last 11 games were so bad. Yeah. But, you know, he was averaging like 95 yards a game through the first five games. He was having a couple of 20-yard runs, a lot of 10-yard runs. He looked like that dude. Uh, you know, he had that jump cut and that big run for 40-something yards against Carolina uh, where I think he got dragged down just before the end zone. But he looked like that guy. And, um, you know, bro, it was impressive. And then he got hurt, and he didn't look like that guy anymore. I mean, it was clear that he was hampered and, and limping, and it was, uh, it was a bad injury. Um, but that being said, um, I like to say this. You're going to get the best of whatever Zeke has to offer this year because Zeke ain't no dummy. He knows what the deal is, that if he doesn't have a good year, he will be shown the door in Dallas. Uh, so he needs to have a good year to stay in Dallas. And how about this, Matt? He needs to have a good year so that somebody else signs him if he's not in Dallas next year. And then finally, bro, listen to what his teammates say. Listen to what the coaches say. Listen to what the front office say about Zeke Elliott. He's a very prideful guy with a lot of work ethic. And so he hears what you've been saying about him for the last two years. And so he'll show up from a pride standpoint to give you whatever he has left and if that's good enough it is and if it ain't it ain't yeah and it's interesting because to your point you talk about the back part of the season so last year through five games of the season he had 452 yards on 85 carries that's 5.3 yards per carry yeah, that bro. would have put him on pace for over 1500 yards rushing through 17 games keep in mind the extra game that would have put him second in the NFL in rush yards behind Jonathan Taylor. Even if he had faded off that pace and finished with 1,300, he still would have finished second in the league in rushing yards. And we'd all be looking at him colossally different. But the problem is, after he ran for 70 yards or more in four of his first five games last year, 
He only cracked 70 one time in the final 12 games, and that came in the final week of the season in week 18 against Philadelphia when he had 87, and he only had more than 14 carries just four times after week five. And so that's where, you know, you kind of wonder, like, where is Zeke? And I say that in a sense of, like, you talk about you're going to get the best of whatever he's got left, but I don't know that we really know what exactly that might be because there's two things that running backs hit. They hit the wall at 27. Some of them push through that. They hit the wall at 30. And then the elites like Emmett are just inhuman. And there's not enough of a sample size to even know what those guys are other than freaks. Yeah, no, you're right. This what this much I figured out that the um, the um, there have been a lot of running backs in the league who've had very successful seasons at 27. They fall off a cliff at 28. But, you know, Adrian Peterson had 2,000 yeah. yards at 27 at 27. LT, LaDainian Thomason had like 1,800 or something like that at 27. Lots of guys. Emmitt Smith had 1,200, 1,300. Lots of guys have really productive seasons at 27. Then they fall off a cliff. So that's why I'm telling you, man. He's in really good shape. And if they can uh, keep him healthy, I expect Zeke to be productive. I don't know what that looks like for yards. Because Tony Pollard's going to get some touches. But just like you knew he was struggling last year, if he's playing good, it doesn't matter what the numbers say. You'll know whether he's playing good or not. Yeah, and it'll be interesting because Zeke Elliott is one of those guys that I almost have on my fantasy radar because I feel like his decline in production and his injury last year have a lot of guys scared off. Right. And I wonder, like, just for fantasy purposes – like, I don't want to spend too much on him, but I was looking at this. Like, if I got Zeke Elliott for, like, 25 bucks, I'd be like, man, I feel like I just got a steal for a guy yeah. that potentially, if he can do, really, to me, the key is health. Because I really think he would have had a great season last year had he remained healthy. Now, is he going to get 1,500 yards? I don't know. But you don't necessarily need 1,500 yards out of him. But I do think it's interesting because how do you think, when you look at Elliott and you look at Pollard, and obviously, because of the injury last year, Elliott was only averaging about 14 carries a game. Pollard was up to nine carries a game. Over the course of the season, Zeke had 237 and Pollard had 130. But how do you see that breakout? Do you think they try and keep it around that where Zeke is like 14, 15 carries and Pollard's nine or 10? And they really have more of a tandem. I think that's fine if it, if it works. Um, you know, I think... I think it, the the hard part is trying to figure out the flow. Is it do you give Pollard a series or two, or you know you give? But the problem with that is okay, we had three and out. That's my series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, some of it's dictated by score and what kind of games you're playing. Uh, a lot of it, I think, is just pure feel for uh, how it's going. And so uh, it's a it's a it's, it's a quandary that they've got to solve, man. And Kelly Moore. It's a cat who's got to do it. He, I mean, it's it's his job to figure it out, and he's got to figure it out. It ain't optional. He literally has to figure it out. This is a really interesting season for a lot of reasons. You know, the more that we talk about it and some of the names that we continue to bring up, I kind of wonder, like, if this thing just goes way off the rails, I wonder if we're looking at a situation next year where Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn are both gone, McCarthy's gone, Zeke Elliott's gone, and, and you, you could see a real changing of, hey, of how things have been. Tony Pollard, the unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Yeah, and you got to think, depending on how much he does this year. See, Pollard's interesting because he is the classic example for me of some other team valuing him more than Dallas and that he's a guy that will be surprised what another team may be willing to pay him. That or, and I was just looking up here, um, you could put franchise tag on him. No, you could do that. What's that for a running back? Uh, I was looking up. I bet it's not that high. It's probably like $10 million. Yeah, because you wouldn't have Zeke, so you'd be eating the dead money off his cap, and then you just roll with Tony. See, and that's the thing as well, is because Tony Pollard's never been a featured guy. You'd have right. to have another back who's built like Zeke that you bring in that does those types of things, like short yardage and whatnot, that Tony Pollard really does not do. Well, 
Running back tag, I was mistaken. Franchise tag is $12 million. Whoa, for Tony Pollard? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, let me see. But see, we're talking franchise tag. $12 million. That's the second lowest. Only position lower? Tight end. Yeah, which this year obviously was, what, right at $11 million essentially. Yeah. But. but you put the franchise tag on, I'm hoping you can work out a long-term deal. Because, again, Tony Pollard is like, remember, he played, uh, I think he played four years. He's like 26 or something like that. Let me look it up. No, he's not 26. He turns he turned 25 in April. So, yeah, well, yeah, so he'd I'm be going about, into 26 year. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So, again, he's 26. What did we just say about running backs? They fall off a cliff at 28. Maybe he's different because he's Tony Pollard. He can be used as a receiver. But, you know, you try to find a contract that fits him. You know, four years, what's a good number? Uh, what's a realistic number that we can get you? Uh, where you you know you don't tear the cap up, but but you feel like you got paid because remember he's a fourth round pick he ain't never been paid, and so ain't no hometown discount for a cat who ain't never been paid. Yeah, man, you know this not in the NFL, not at running back. This is the where it really starts to cement some of those conversations we've had during the course of the off season of how quickly this window is about to close for the Cowboys. Because if you don't get it this year and all these young players that you're so gung-ho on don't turn out due to your, well, we've got our, proje- our projections. You know, we, we, all the money that you spend on your projections, if you're wrong, <laughs> this might be it, honestly. Right. Because then you may be bringing in a new coaching staff. You may be out on Zeke and Pollard. Zach Martin and Tyron Smith both turned 32 years old this season. I mean, th- this could, my God, are they going to do it again where they wasted seven years of Dak and Zeke? Can you imagine? You wasted Romo, and you're about to waste seven years of Dak and Zeke together. Incredible. Okay, you're depressing me. I'm just being honest with you, man, because... I don't want your honesty. Look, as much as I want to be that weird-ass guy who's gung-ho and is saying, hey, man, Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl, I don't see it happening this year. I don't think they're... I think they're going to make the playoffs. I, I think they can be a six or a seven seed. It's hard for me to believe that they're better than the Eagles right now until I see it. I don't know that they're one of the best four or five teams in the NFL. And, and, and due to that, I, I don't, they're not, unless they drastically change. And it, look, they can change it. Dak can go out and play out of his mind and win the MVP and, and all of us be like, well, holy shit. But right now, I don't know anybody who would say that the Cowboys are one of the top six, seven teams in the NFL. Dude, I've told you from the jump, man. I look at the roster. I see a team that's going to struggle mightily to hold off Philadelphia and win the division. I think Philadelphia is the best team in the division right now. Uh, That's not shade. That's not hate. That's just the way I see it based on what I see from the Cowboys, which is not a whole lot, bro. I don't have this reason. I don't have all this optimism for the Cowboys because – I don't think they've earned it. Yeah, it, you know, and that's where I think this gets really, really frustrating. All the things that we've talked about, and you keep waiting for something good to come out, and who knows? Maybe when the first preseason game rolls around in eight days and we're all sitting there, we're watching it on August 13th, and we're like, oh, my God, Jalen Tolbert is uncoverable. He is uh, wide open down the field every time. Holy hell, did you look at Sam Williams come off the edge? My God, did you see that? I mean, maybe we'll see that. And we'll have those exciting, positive things in the preseason. Because right now, a lot of what people are talking about is like, oh, C.D. Lamb's legit. Well, no shit. We already knew that. <laughs> like, I keep seeing these guys tweet that out. I'm like, I mean, the dude was a first-round draft pick that we all freaked out about was available halfway through the first round. Obviously, he's going to be a stud. And then they're like, well, look at these passes Dak is making. Yeah, he's a $40 million quarterback. He's supposed to be throwing the ball like that. Right. I, I got to see something somewhere along the way that's a real positive from something that we have a what-if on right now. Because my what if is not really on Dak or CD. And quite frankly, it's not on Zeke or Tony Pollard. It's on a lot of these other people that we don't really know what they can be that have to be something. Right. That's what it is, bro. It's the questions that haven't been answered that provide all the um, angst, so to speak. Yes. And that is my Cowboys rant. Because I am heading to Austin. I am going to enjoy my weekend in Austin. 
I'm going to be hanging out with my brothers, which is going to be great. And, you know, that's one thing about my fantasy football league that I love. Seven of the guys in my fantasy football league, this is our 17th year, and seven of us have been in it for all 17 years. And eight of us have been in it for 16 of the 17 years. And when you get a group of guys like that, and this is the first time since probably 2018, four or five years ago, that all 12 of us are going to be there in person. Dude. It's going to be a fun weekend, man. I'm very, very, very much looking forward to this. <laughs> it's going to be real fun. It's going to be awesome. And I hope I have a good draft, but I'm just excited to see some of my best friends and, and just get a chance to hang out. I can't believe we're drafting this early, but it is what it is, man. And then it's nah. like, you know, there's certain guys, like I was excited about, I was like, man, CeeDee Lamb, he might have a monster season. Oh, he's a keeper for somebody. I'm like, well, so much for that. <laughs> so much for that. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. <laughs> but I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. Enjoy it. We should have something for you on Monday. It's not going to be a live podcast because Jacques and I are both traveling this weekend. And we're not going to be able to bust one out to get to you live on Sunday, but we will have a best of available, piecing together some of our best Cowboys conversations, kind of re-going through some of the things leading into camp and what we've been covering in the last bit before camp. So be looking forward to that on Monday. Keep telling people about us. We appreciate you all very much, and we will talk again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.